What's poppin' fam? Welcome to Don't Touch My Mindset, a podcast that is designed to uplift, inspire, and motivate you, and most importantly, share tools to help you protect that mindset. Chase and I am stoked to be here. I'm super excited. Wow. Yo, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling inspired. Happy, happy, happy April. Happy Sunday. Um, we're coming to you live and direct with a brand new pivotal moments. And I'm super excited about this one because we're going across the pond. We're going to the United Kingdom to talk with a friend of mine that I met on this wonderful app, of course, Clubhouse. Um just awesome app if you haven't checked it out please i swear this is not a clubhouse ad this is just where i can meet some awesome people and bring you guys some awesome interviews bring you guys some awesome pivotal moments uh please 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 follow us on instagram uh at the chase or at don't touch my mindset uh check out the community check out the website we are back on wednesdays mindset day with a new mindset Yo, I'm super excited for what April has to bring. Uh, Spring, new risings. Yo, I'm excited. So, with that being said, please rate, review, share with a friend if anything resonates. But let's dive. There's another pivotal moment. Yo, I am super excited to be here with a a true inspirator uh beiju i met him on clubhouse just absolutely an amazing person beiju hello how are you how are you doing tell us about you hey jay good man no really good man really really excited about this conversation um like i said i saw you on clubhouse interested in your your uh don't touch my mindset line that sort of caught my eye Hence why I reached out to you and, uh, yeah, really looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. Uh, what, what, ca- what caught your eye about that? What, what comes to mind when you say don't touch my mindset? There's a lot of people, people, I think everybody on the surface agrees mindset's important, right? And then if they don't, if they don't really appreciate it, it's like, oh, well, uh, i deal with that later. And when things are going well in life, we all look the same. We all look quite centered. We look jovial. We look happy. We look content. We all look the same. When things are stressed is when our differentials come out. And it's all to do with mindset. It's all to do with how you react. But when you're, when you're, when I read your thing, don't touch my mindset, you're basically saying, look, you can do what you want, my friend. You can anything. But I promise you this is you try and attempt to touch my mindset, then we're, in, then you're in trouble. What you're basically saying is that sacrament for me you know that that's the thing that you don't mess with so i'm going to feed my mindset every day whether that's through healthy living whether that's through you know uh, thinking um empowering thought thoughts using the right language reading the right books being around the right people and all of those things that sea of um, opportunity feeds my mindset so if you're looking to touch my mindset in a way it doesn't empower me i'm not interested so that's what I took from it. 
Yo, that's the brand. I love that. Absolutely. Thank you. I love that. I love that. Oh, yo, you're coming in hot. I love it. What? Uh, who are you? What do you do? What do you offer? Tell the audience a little bit about you. Yeah, man. So I'm a, I'm a performance psychologist. What does that mean? So I, I help people improve their performance. My background's in psychology. I used to be a psychology lecturer many, many years ago, probably before you were born, my friend. <laughs> and uh, I taught for four or five years uh, in UK. Uh, so in the States, probably equivalent high school and, and then first year undergrad. And then I was in the corporate world. I wanted to be a sports psychologist, but various decisions, getting married, having children, which were fantastic for me. Um, meant that I chose different paths and then I went into corporate sales and I did that for nine years got started as a sales exec as you do and then you know got through to directorship traveled around the world and uh, loved that job loved it for what it did at that time but it didn't feed my soul and I left that in 2007 to start my own coaching and training business and that's what I've been doing ever since and yeah so my main focus is helping mainly entrepreneurs and business owners, but I also work with corporates and leaders and, and C-suite executives to improve performance, uh, to help people what I call reach their potential. Because potential equals performance minus interference. So then, as a psychologist, what I do is identify the interference. So what gets in the way? Uh, nine times out of 10, there's a mindset around that. Other things, it might be strategy other things it could be consistency of action so once you identify the interference it could be my childhood the way my mum was the way my dad was is why i'm like i am now and that's blocking me doing this it's all right for you you had your parents were like this my parents were like this so i've got this block and i don't know how to deal with the block so therefore i can't reach my potential because my performance is uh, uh is is been hindered by this interference so me as a performance psychologist is, is to get really sharp to the point identify what's the immediate interference because there's levels of interference the surface level stuff oh, i've got enough time i've got money um i'm in the wrong neighborhood there's surface level stuff that stops people saying it's not i'm not ready it's not my time and then you go and then as you ask questions, you go deeper, deeper, and you realize actually it's, oh, your mum said something to you when you were young. Mm. Oh, because your boss said this. Ah, oh, because you decided when that happened, it meant this. So if that was true, no wonder I'm like I am now. So there's a surface level interference, and then there's deep, 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 deep reasons interference. And at any given level, you could identify the interference and dilute it. And then people, what you're left with is uh, no excuses. So my job is to say, okay, let's, uh, let, give me your excuses so I can destroy them, I eliminate them. So then you're left with a point whereby, okay, I've got no more excuses. What now? Okay, maybe I need to take an action. Yeah, now if you take an action, which is good, sometimes you just go and take action. But if you take an action without some sort of strategy, some sort of plan, you might get lucky and take the action in the right direction, you know? And you might get away with it in the short term, maybe the medium term, but you won't in the long term. So what is the big picture? And then take an action. So create an action. So that's what I do. Yeah, I love that. That it, 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 you're Definitely a professional. If you, you can go that deep, uh -huh. I, I absolutely love that. 
feel like it has taken a lot of training, a lot of a lot of trials, a lot of tribulations, a lot of successes to get to this point where you brought your career, mature mindset, and identifying the interference that comes with that, you know, and being able to dilute that as quick as you can. I truly believe that it comes to awareness, action, acceleration, to automation to where it's permanent, where we're doing it like in second nature, where you're able to snap back that, snap back that, snap back that. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad that you spent time with the, with us and in, in the audience. Um, take, us, take us to a pivotal moment where you had to dilute the interference and you had to respond out of personal power versus pain where you had to become the victor or the victim. Take us back to one of those moments. What is one of those moments like for you? There's three key moments, three key moments. The first moment was when I, um, uh, I, I left my corporate job in 2007 and I started that corporate job in 98, but I knew from 2001 and two, I didn't really want to do this, but I was not in a position, young family, three kids, wife, ex-wife now, which will come to, and it was, and the money was good and I was traveling around the world. So the surface, uh, the surface rewards I was getting from this job from the outside looked fantastic. Traveled, expense account, money. What's, what's the problem? But inside, zero fulfillment, not fulfilled. I was making money, but making my boss even more money. Some of the morals, some of the values of the company weren't aligned with me. But hey, do you know what? You sort of think, do you know what? Later on, I'll do it. And it got to a point in 2006, I was on a trip to New York on a business trip, about to close a really, really big deal. And we did, we, I went there expecting like a three, four hour meeting. Within 45 minutes, they just took me to the side and said, yeah, you can go to go to so-and-so and she'll give you the purchase order number. Now, when you give her the purchase order number, the deal was done. So I basically, I traveled to New York just to collect the purchase order number not to even close the deal, All right? So I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, this is job done and this is a big deal. And this is before mobile phones were, you know, just the norm. I went back to the hotel and phoned the office in London saying, hey, yeah, I've got the deal. And then you may not know, but there's a thing called fax machine. We faxed the order over, all right? You know. Fax machine, yeah. yes. And, <laughs> yeah. And in that moment, I was ecstatic because I earned a lot of money. One of the biggest deals, right? Three seconds later, sitting in my bed in the hotel thinking, is this it? Is this really it? I, don't, I can't achieve more in my, in my work. I'm a director, short of having equity, there's nothing else to achieve, but why do I feel so unfulfilled? Why do I feel so empty? And at that moment, I said, Bayeji, look, either you do this now, you do the thing you want to do, start your own venture, whatever, or you, or you, or you quit, or you just, you, you give that dream up and just don't complain. And on the flight from New York to London, I wrote down all the reasons, all the excuses, right? And then I thought, what's the truth and what's a convenient excuse I've got? Like convenient excuses. Well, I've got three kids. I've got responsibilities. I've got a mortgage. I've got responsibilities. You know, you've got to be all this. I've got responsibilities, right? But the, the only real, real proper excuse was, reason, pragmatic was, if I leave now like that, bang, I'm going to jump from the frying pan into the fire. Meaning, I would have, yeah, I would have left, right? But then, am I leaving enough of a cushion that we're not going to be in three months' time, not able to pay the mortgage, not able to, you know, just feed the kids um, and all the rest of it. And 
stupid. And the one thing I learned speaking to different business mentors and going to different seminars and workshops and reading books is most entrepreneurs, 95% of entrepreneurs um, are pragmatic risk takers. They're not willy-nilly risk takers. They don't just take risk willy-nilly. They, they weigh up the options. From the outside, when you're thinking you're in a safe job, you look at them and you think, wow, the risk takers, because, oh my God, they got back, some got bankrupt, some lose this, some lose that. But they're not, they're pragmatic because they, you take a risk where the odds are in your favor. It's not 100% guaranteed you're gonna win. But if you're 80% guaranteed, that's that's good odds. But most people look out and think, 50-50, 50-50, and it's not. And then you weigh things up. And mindset's part of it. What's the mindset you've got? If you've got a mindset of, well, I'm going to take an action, but I know I'm going to fail. That's not the way to do it. So that was pivotal moment number one, whereby what did it. And then I realized that the only excuse was not enough money in the bank, right? What do I need to do? I did a bit of property. And within 14, 15 months, October 7th, October the 14th, 2007, I left my job. Enough money in the bank. So that's pivotal. So that for me, it was like, I had to look at my mirror, spoke to my wife, ex-wife Ben, and said, she goes, I support you, just don't lose the house. That's what she said to me. Do what you want, just don't lose the house. So that was pivotal moment number one. Wow. There, and how did you, so I want to dive into that because how do you, a lot of people think I'm, I'll, I'll get X amount of dollars and I'm ready. I'll get, I'll get this amount of time on the job and I'm ready, I'll get, this connection and that connection on network here and I'll be ready. And I, I truly believe that we don't, we're never quote unquote ready. So what, what, what made, what made you put that limit and that amount of commitment to that cushion? Was it just the amount of money to have in the bank by a certain date or what? Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, the only thing I could really control, I can't control how big my net, I couldn't say I need to know X number of people. That's foolhardy because you need to know the right people. I couldn't say um, I need to know X amount of knowledge. Because like you say, you, you, you've got no chance. But the one thing I can control is how much money I can have in my bank account and decide what would be a pragmatic, practical thing for me. And for me, it was six months. For other people, it's 12 months. For some people, it's 18 months, right? But for me, I need six months put away. That was it, six months put away. As soon as I had six months put away, um, and that's for different to different people. You know, a lot of people ask me. I get a lot of people who are in jobs they sometimes they like, mostly they don't like, but they want to live to start a business. And they come up with all these beautiful excuses, very, you know, gold-plated excuses, world-class excuses, right? And I say to them one question. I say, listen, if you had your last paycheck today, right, this month, last paycheck, how long can you survive on your current lifestyle? Pinch a little bit, maybe downgrade your car maybe one less holiday maybe you know don't 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 you know two less nights out a month or whatever it is how long could you survive for and most people say one month two months three months i said great i said listen you're not you know what you need to do is work five to nine while you're working nine to five yeah all right and it's, it's you know it's no free lunch you might have to forego nights out you might have to forego uh, some of your luxuries but if you if you if your pushback is whoa really I'm not doing that you're not ready even to go into this world you know you can do so that 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 tells it in itself the language that you communicate even before we start this conversation I challenge your language I challenge a few things for yourself Jay so for me it's like the amount of money 
and it's okay there's no you don't it's not about six it's like whatever it is now i need 12 months okay good i get that now let's work it what are you prepared to do right now in your in your account there's 12 months for away and it, it's not you might get to a point whereby actually as you're doing it and fully committed you look at your bank you think actually do you know what i can leave now it might be six months seven months work you compromise your lifestyle a little bit you know most entrepreneurs do things today that most people don't so they can have most things in 10 years that most yeah, people they always say to to whom much is given much is required and you got to do that up front to get anything you want on the back you know and uh, that when, when i add more things to my plate i have to take a step back refocus and understand where i need more time you know it's so funny when i when i started getting active in clubhouse i was getting up at 5 45 5 30. I started getting active in Clubhouse. I was like, oh shit, I can learn. I can I can do more. And I started getting up at 4.15. I didn't start going to bed till, till 11.30 or midnight, you know, because I'm, I'm working on the business. I'm, I'm taking care of myself. I'm pouring into myself. I'm pouring into that mindset. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing once you, once you make that commitment to yourself. So please, please tell me. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the edge of my seat for pivotal moment number two if that was just number one. <laughs> Yeah, there's three moments. The pivotal moment number two is when my um, my wife then, ex-wife now, turned around and said she wanted no more. And that was back in uh, uh, January 13, 2013. Now, six months before that, I thought something, something's not up. Something's not up. You know, she seems, she seems different. And if you know anything about relationships, I know a lot now, right? If you know anything about relationships, especially... You know, relationship with the, you know, with a woman, in terms of heterosexual relationship, is um, women. Uh, women don't make a decision overnight. Women don't uh, mull over it, but they communicate in a very different way. I thought something was up, but I didn't know what. And I, in my head, I said, right, you've got two choices, Beijing. You can say, you can confront it and say, right, listen, what's up? Let's deal with it. Tell me, tell me what's up and let's deal with it. Or I could say, do you know what? Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna say anything because what if I say something and I've completely read the situation wrong and I open up a whole instance that that's not there, right? So I thought, nah, just do you know what, Beige? What you wanna do is when, if and when she says something's wrong, don't be, don't be an idiot and say, nothing's wrong, what's the matter with you? You know, blah, blah, blah. Whatever she says, listen, and if she says, look, this is not right, we need to look at this, we need to fix this, go and see someone, be completely open about it and do what you do, what she wishes to do to try and address, mend, whatever the situation is. Don't be, uh, don't be, just because the work that I do, sometimes because we do this work, we think we've got the answers. We might have the answers, it doesn't mean we're, you know, it's like the, you're into cars, right? You sell cars. Does a car mechanic make them a better driver? No. No, they might know what's happening under the bonnet. They might know what's going on, but it doesn't mean they're a good driver. Same in humans. As a psychologist and a coach, just because you know what's going on underneath doesn't mean you're a great, you can be a great human. It doesn't, doesn't correlate. So the moment came where I thought, oh, the same happened. And she was, she was, but it, I was expecting her to say, right, listen, I don't want this anymore, right? Unless we, choose, unless we change this, 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 and this, we're done. But instead of that conversation, she got. She said to me, "Beju, we're done." And I went, "You know, no, no, you, 
no, no, that's not the script. You're supposed to say to me, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And then we go and try and address it. That's that's not the script I heard. You're not giving me any chance here. No, no, I'm done, I'm done. It's gone too far. And I reacted as a victim, uh, victim full ego driven male. I focused on what I was losing. I was focused on how it seemed to the public. You know, I'm this psychologist coach helping people change their lives and I can't even keep my marriage sane. I acted, you know, one minute I was angry. Why don't you give me a chance? Next minute I was crying. Oh, oh, oh feel, sorry, feel sorry for me. Why don't you, you know, this is not fair, blah, blah, blah. Next minute I was calm. I give us some space. And it was a cycle. You can imagine this 10 day cycle. She must have got to a point to have the courage to say, I'm going to end this, right? And I didn't for one moment put myself in her position. I didn't even consider how it's for the children. I just looked at the fact that I would focus on what I'm losing, that it's not fair that I got a chance to mend it, and um, how it will look. And... I didn't practice all the things that I talked about. I might have practiced in duration, and then 18 months later, the divorce papers come through, and that was like, whoa, it's done. I went, rage, wow. This is, I went on a bit of a sort of, as you do, bit of a self-destruct. Right, do you know what? Screw the world, I'm gonna show you. It was lasted about six months a year, and then it was like, whoa, babe, come on, sort it out. And then, uh, and then, she didn't want to be back. After divorce, a year, a year after we divorced, I was with someone and she wanted me back. So she's obviously gone through her own stuff, her own work, her own transformation, her own stuff. But I'd moved on, but she wanted me back. And I don't blame her for that at all. And but I was in my head, I just thought, right, I was with someone. I thought, right, can I live with not giving this a go? Still love my wife, ex-wife. Can I live this? And the answer was, I don't think I could live with not giving it a go. Does that make sense? So I went back and it was fine for 12, 13 months. But then it just crumbled because the foundations weren't there. We didn't, we were very selfish in terms of getting back. So we just told the kids we're getting back without um, engaging with them. And they saw the writing. They said, yeah, this won't last because they, you know, they, they were, so we were, I feel very guilty for that. And then 12, 13 months later, it was um, it was over again. And we you know, we moved on. We're, we're really good friends now. We're fine now. But over the between 213, 214, 215, 216, about four years, 217, it was up and down, in and out, blah, blah, blah. What's going wow. on? You know, we were the we were the soap opera of of our community and our family. And it what you know, and I'm not proud of those moments. And um yeah, so and what what did what did you personally learn from that when it comes to relationship when it comes to being open that women and men think very differently that um they don't we we fall in men fall into this thinking we can fix everything and women don't want us to fix it they just want us to be they don't want to be heard and in the hearing 
the fixing takes place. The mend takes place. They don't need us to go and fix it for them. Also is um, being present. I wasn't present. I was all over the shop. We all know this deep down. We're, we're all, we're all um, culpable human beings. But when we talk about mindset is when you're not present, the mind is not set in the moment. It's thinking about that person over there. It's thinking about the future. Thinking about the past. Thinking about this. And that's all bollocks. It's all rubbish. So I learned that um, this person standing in front of me would have reacted very different to those scenarios. This person in front of me probably would be uh, in a different scenario then. But that's part of wisdom, part of growing. And, you know, you talked about your journey, Jay, about how you want to master certain things by the time you really hit the world. Every moment you know you've mastered something, that very same moment you realize your um, every one thing you learn, you realize there's 10 more things to learn. I, I believe we're always evolving and growing, you know. Uh, that, that, that's true, truly beautiful. And I think that is something that everyone needs to know, realize, recognize, accept, and surrender to. That it's never going to be perfect. Practice makes permanent, as Les Brown says, you know. It's, the more that we can do it over and over and over again, that's as close to mastery as we can ever get as humans. You know, we're always going to be flawed. That's 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 absolutely beautiful. You gotta you gotta see the beauty in the process, the beauty in the hard work and the grind and the fight of it. You know, I love that. I love that. Um, when when did pivotal moment number three happen for you? Yeah, get comfy. We're here. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, we were there. So, we were talking about number three back. So, what happened was after I, um, and then we broke up the second time, me and my ex wife. And then for 18 months, I was I was cool. I was doing my thing. And then I realized I looked at my life, looked at my business, and it was the word I came up with was ordinary. My life was very ordinary. So, from the outside, nothing. once we settled all that stuff, it was like business was okay. My, my health was okay, not too many. It wasn't brilliant, it wasn't great. And then I went on, uh, I did some uh, yoga retreats. I went to India, I did like 10 day yoga retreats and stuff. And you know, when you go and find yourself, you realize you don't have to go anywhere, you just have to look internal. And, but they, those environments give you the space to, to think. And back in 2018, uh, I looked at my life and I thought, you know what? Um, I don't like how I am, who I am. And I wasn't over, well, when you look back, I was overweight. But at the time, no one said you're overweight. No one said that you're unhealthy. No one said that, you know, you could you could do with losing a few. No one ever said that. But I just felt, you know what, I just want to, and a couple of my cousin and a friend of mine did this big, like, body transformation. They, like, lost 15, 20, 30 kilos and got ripped and the rest of it. And I'm one of those, I'm, I'm like, mm, yeah, it's not for me. And I thought, do you know what? I don't want to go on a diet. I don't want to just sort of say just carbs or keto or, you know, plant or this. I just, I, I love my food. And I don't want to do something, I want something to sustain, yeah? So then I spoke to a few people and I thought, right, I'm going to change my lifestyle completely. I want to, I want to, I want to lose some weight. So I found an organization and got accountable. And I thought, I'm just going to focus on my 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 health and nutrition. 
and I started this journey in 2019, right, committed completely. And uh, they gave me a, a, an exercise regime, they said, um, and they gave me a, a nutrition plan. But the, my non-negotiable nutrition plan was this, I don't want to eliminate any foods, right? No, I don't want to eliminate any foods and um, I don't want to feel guilty if I eat anything. And I said, yeah, cool, no worries. So I didn't want to be like, you can't have carbs, you can't have this, can't have that. But I also understood this, is that if I said, I want to have pizza every week, I want to have burgers every week, the results are going to take longer. So I didn't eliminate those, I just paused them. As soon as you eliminate something or take something away, it becomes more attractive. So it was just like, do you know what? Just and then and like you, I don't know if you know, you know, it's all about the macros and the portion control. You can have chips, you can have um, um, meat, you can have burgers, but you can have a, a burger that's maybe uh, more healthily made, and all these sort of things. So it's about choice and decisions. So I lost 10 kilos in three months really quickly, and then after using 10 kilos, my coach says to me, "Right, we're going to do a photo shoot. You're going to get ripped." I said, no, that's not me. And now we're going to do it. And uh, I lost 20 kilos and I got ripped, did the whole thing, photo shoot, went, uh, you know, my social media went, went spastic. And it was like that. Now, the result of that was when you get, when you start to decide to get fit yourself through a nutrition and it has an impact on all areas of your life. Because you're disciplined in one area, you get disciplined in another area. Because you get focused in one area, you get focused in this area. Because you get, uh, um, energy in one area, you get energy others. So the impact of that was all of a sudden my business started to flourish because my whole philosophy is about how to change your game. So people are looking at me from the outside saying, "Wow, look at Beji! Beji properly changed his game. Look at it. He's, you know, he's looking, he's looking fly. He's looking all right, right?" So that that all of a sudden people, are, wow, there's integrity there, all right? All of a sudden I started getting DMs from all sorts of people. Hi Beji. Hi Beji. Where was Hi Beji six months ago? You know, <laughs> right? So that had an impact, which is great. So then um, I did that and then lockdown occurred and I kept up my fitness, but the, the biggest issue for me when I closed the gym, gyms down in the UK. So I put on probably another 70 kilos that I should have done. Then I did it again. So I did it again and I went and I got did another another shoot back in back last uh, October 220. And uh, now, now this is it. So, so, you know, if someone Googles my name and you see the photos, you'll see it. You'll see all the transformation photos. So that was pivotal number number three, whereby there was non-negotiable. I'm not going to be ordinary in my lifestyle and out there. And if you look at a lot of my network, people know that. Before, I haven't got time to go gym. Oh, I'll try and fit it in. Before, oh, you know, I'll try and eat healthy. Now, it's a non-negotiable. You know, it's a non-negotiable. You know, I won't, I won't. Uh, gym four times, five times a week. I eat healthy. Yeah, I have the odd, uh, a few snacks and food, but this is my balance balance for what I do now. But I know what stage I'm at. So that was a pivotal moment whereby it's applying. thing with mindset and strategies, there's a lot of people know it, but they don't apply it every day. And the way you apply it every day is in the moments, is those micro moments when people are not looking in the language you use avoiding certain words as I challenged you earlier and also is it's easy to have a great mindset when things are going well we're all Tony Robbins we're all Robin Sharma we're all Deepak Chopra's when things are going well 
But when things are not going well, we turn into Hannibal Lecter, flipping, you know, uh, other people that I dare not mention on this podcast. But um, yeah, and it's in those moments where you're triggered, where your challenge, where your thing is whereby number one, self-awareness, number two, self-care, and number three is take action, any action to come out of that to create the the next question I was going to say how how would you tell people to maintain that once they do that you know and that's through self-care through taking action you know but I mean but also what how do how do we maintain that once we undergo I I call it the diamond cutting process a a diamond needs to go under extreme heat extreme pressure and then it has to be cut then it has to be tested to make sure it's pure to be a diamond and you know how do how do we maintain how do we maintain that that once we've elevated our lives once we've elevated our mindset uh, at least for you how do you maintain that lifestyle now and that mindset more than anything? Well, you, you need to understand that yeah, it's, Jay, you need to understand life's a game, right? And there's three games we need to understand, be aware, of, and then conquer. And game number one is the inner game, which is mindset. The inner game is about your emotions, your thoughts, your language, how you think in times of. Uh, joy, how you think in times of stress. And it's that self-awareness and deciding, okay, in this moment, what do I, how do I think? How do I choose? You might ring someone up. They don't reply to you. You send someone a message. They haven't replied to you in in the time you expected. And when they did, they didn't say what you wanted. What are you making that mean? Right? So I have this thing about detaching from outcome. Commit to outcome, but detach from outcome. Don't expect anything. Right? That's the inner game. Understanding that. The second game is the game plan, which is the strategy, your roadmap, how you go about your life. A lot of people know the roadmap, but they don't know how to execute. You know, you live wherever you live. Say you want to travel from New York to to California. You've got several ways. You can go by plane, you can go by bus, you can go by car, you can go by train. Now, what what will determine the strategy? Well, how much money you got, the time you want to get there, the reason, and all those things. That then impacts, impacts the strategy, right? When people think New York to California, oh, we'll go by plane, obviously. But what if you can't afford it? Oh, okay, actually, I've got no time scale. If it takes me a year, fine, okay, you could walk, in theory. And that, what people don't in life understand is understanding the, the, the roadmap, the game plan. And game number three is understand the outer game. And the outer game is not taking action, like we all take action. The very fact that someone's listened to this podcast They've taken some action. They've gone somewhere. They've clicked a button on Spotify, Apple, or your website, and they're listening. But what makes the difference between the difference is the consistency and persistency of action. So when someone says, oh, how come that person over there is getting their rewards? I'm better than them. I've got more money. I'm more talented. I'm more this. I'm more that. Yeah, I guarantee if you rip it, if you rip down to the core, they're probably more consistent. And they've probably got more failures. So when they get an obstacle, or a challenge, what's your reaction? Oh, there's no point. Oh, I can't do this. Their reaction is, what do I learn from this? Right, where do I need to go? I'm okay to I'll take a step back to take two steps forward. So when you know those three games, the inner game, the game plan, outer game. And then, then you got yourself, what is the strategy? What then do I need to do? At any given moment, all those three games are in play. Some people, they need to have a strong mindset to have a plan. Some people need to take an action, which means their mindset is then improved. Some people need a plan that allows them to feel comfortable here. So it's fluid. It's a fluid thing. So one what size one size fits all, and that's what I write about Absolutely in the books that I write. That. Yes, 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 yes. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. You, you, there it is. That, 
that's a game plan and change your game. I love it. Um, no, please um, tell us where we can find you. Tell us what you got going on. Um, I, you, you stopped me. I'm speechless. I think you came and did my podcast for me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate. You know, if you Google my name, Beijing Slanky, you'll find me everywhere. But um, uh, I've, I, my book, Change Your Game, um, uh, you can find on Amazon. But with the book, I've created a scorecard. So the scorecard tells you how strong your game is. And uh, I can give you, you know, the link, I'm sure, will be connected to this podcast somewhere. If you go to the scorecard, put your details in there, answer the questions, and it will give you um, it will give you a score for how strong your inner game is, how strong your game plan is, and how strong your outer game is. And then it will give you some tips to how to improve those games. And you realize that um, what I find a lot of people, their game plan is really strong. I.e., if I ask people what they want, like I asked you what you want, you know what you want. You have a good idea of how to get there. But what you then find is their actions are inconsistent towards it, right? Or they're, And their actions are inconsistent is because their mindset's not in the right place. The conversations they have in their head are disempowering them. The words they use are disempowering them. So sometimes I might think, I just need to know the next three steps. Actually, you probably need to be aware of your mindset stopping you. What do you mean my mindset stopping me? Well, if I ask you a couple of questions and how you answer it, that will tell me. Oh, okay, so if you switch your mindset, that's the valve, the valve will open, which means the action's easier. Oh, and that will create momentum. So when you take any action, there's one free, one of three outcomes. When you take an action, you either get what you want or what you expect. You either don't get what you want or not expect or a miracle. And most people don't get miracles because they're avoiding the thing they don't want. So then they procrastinate, they overthink, they allow themselves to get overwhelmed. They look away, they compare, oh look, it's all right for them, they've got more money, it's all right for them, they're better looking, it's all right for them, they've got, they've got more resources. And they don't realize what they've got. Because you don't, you don't know someone's story. You just see, what, it's only what you see on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or Clubhouse, that's what you see, but you don't see behind. And when you see behind, they're probably in a worse position than you. But they make different choices. Yeah, it's so important that you brought that up too, because it. I truly tell people, I tell people, my clients and everybody that I work with, the world needs more of you. The world needs your business. The world needs your ideas. The world needs your potential. And then people who use the the skill and the the upper hand of like and the consistency it's all so important it all groups as one uh, you know somebody can be more talented than me somebody can be a better speaker than me but they, they're not going to outwork that's what it comes down to i'm going to get up at the exact same time every single day and work until until the job's done i will not be outworked i can, I can have no talent but will not be outworked and i'm gonna do it to 120 percent every single time and that's the mindset that you gotta have and that's how you that's how you get to the top that's how you get to achieve everything that you want to achieve you know i you know you got me fired up now <laughs> well, uh, well hey i i appreciate you i thank you i'm so grateful for you um one question i always ask all of my guests if you could make a 30 second phone call to your future self what would you say If I could make a 30 second phone call to my future, what I would say to them is, good question. What would I say to my future self? I would say to my future self, 
because in my head I'm thinking what would I say to my past my past self I'd say don't worry it'll be okay it'll be okay in the end to my past self but to my future self I would say you've You know what's a great question not many questions stump me not many questions stump me i would say you do it the way you did it people appreciate the way you turned up people appreciate 